Okay, you can be opening up your Bibles today to Galatians chapter 6. <clears throat> and as I said last week, we'll have today and then next Sunday will be our last lesson in Galatians. And then we'll probably have a lesson at the end of the quarter on uh, the Sabbath day. And we'll discuss uh, what, what the Sabbath day is, whether we should be still be keeping the Sabbath day or are we keeping the Sabbath day and re as related to the commandment and the Ten Commandments. And just what that means, and then that may take that might take two Sundays, and then in the uh, spring quarter we'll be starting a study of, on prayer and uh, the different aspects of prayer, and hopefully uh, that will be a good lesson. We'll look at what prayer is, why we pray, what prayer does for us, how that helps our relationship with the Lord, and so forth and so on. So that should be good. All right. By the way, I just saw Brother Bob coming in, and. Uh, if you haven't heard, his PSA was down to a .29 yesterday. So he got some very good news. So uh, prayers are being answered on his behalf, and we're thankful for that. It's very thankful. All right, so as you know, we've been studying the letters, uh, Book of Galatians, the Paul's letter to the churches in Galatia. And, of course, as we've said many times before, he's having to deal with some false teachings that are creeping in after he's left, right? The Judaizing teachers are coming in and saying... Well, just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you don't have to keep the law, the law of Moses. Or just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you don't have to be circumcised. You still got to do all this. And Paul's saying, no, 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 no. You're free in Christ. You're now a child of God. The prophecies have been fulfilled. The law has come to fruition, right? That law was there as a tutor. Teach us right from wrong what the truth is. Show us the character of God. But now Christ has come who was pointed to by that law, by the prophecy, by all those things that we read about in the Old Testament. He was the one that all that was alluding to, the foreshadowing, the forerunning of Christ Jesus. And he's saying, in him, you have liberty. And what he meant by that was, it's no longer about, you don't have to keep the law. It's not worrying about keeping the law. You can't keep it in the flesh. And you certainly don't need to be circumcised. You now have a circumcision of the heart. You now have the spirit living within you because of your decision to obey and turn your life over to Christ Jesus. So you now have liberty. You are free, free from sin, free from the slavery of sin, free from the slavery of the world, and freedom now is in Christ Jesus. And that's how God designed it to be. God designed it for you to be living in love with him for, and because of his love for you. And, of course, because of his love for you, he sent his son that the problem of sin be taken care of. We couldn't do it on our own. He had to do it for us. And because of that, you are now living in liberty in Christ Jesus. Kind of like what it's going to be like in heaven. And when you think about it, the church on earth is supposed to be like heaven on earth. Right? Doesn't always seem that way, maybe. Sometimes things aren't going very well and we think, this is not heaven. <laughs> but that's kind of the idea. When we're living in Christ Jesus, we are experiencing that heaven on earth. And as our John the Apostle said, you can live life abundantly. You can have abundant life while here on earth, and then eternal life is your reward. So Paul was writing to dispute all these things that were creeping in, but he did give some warnings. Remember back in chapter 5 when we were studying, while he was encouraging Christians to share and do good, He's also were, uh, doing some things like saying, but be careful. You don't want to go back to the works of the flesh, right? You don't want to go back to doing the things that you were doing before. 
or else you might be in danger of not inheriting the kingdom of heaven. And then he goes on to say, uh, he, or goes on to remind them a few things about some principles here, right? About how they are to live their lives in that freedom. And we're going to read about that today. So I'm going to put your Bibles to Galatians chapter 6. <clears throat> and let's read what he said. We actually read this last week, but we'll continue to we'll do We'll read it again today. In chapter 6 there in verse 7, where he says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. So there's what, three or four verses that's talking about the principle of sowing and reaping, right? A very easy concept, right, to understand. Uh, think about farmers, right? They go out and plant a field with corn, I don't know. Soybeans, whatever it is. And they eventually reap that harvest, right? And it provides sustenance for them, whether that's for their own food or whether they take what, they're, what they harvest to, the, you know, to sell it, to make a little profit on it, provide for their families, provide for them to give them a living, right? And it's not necessarily that something that happens overnight, right? When you go put seeds in the ground, they don't pop up fully grown the next day, do they? It takes time. It takes days, weeks, months, right? So this is what he's talking about here. What you sow, you're going to eventually reap. That's an easy concept to understand, right? Let's read something right out of the outline here. That's a, it's a quote uh, that Brother Copeland put into his, his outline here about sowing and reaping. And this is actually from Madam... Ching Kai-shek, and if you know the history of Madam Ching Kai-shek, Madam Ching Kai-shek, she was the wife of Ching Kai-shek, who was the president of the Republic of China up until about 1949, and then that was the great communist revolution, and he had to flee to Taiwan. And Taiwan, she was there with him, and anyway, long story, but she was very instrumental in helping China during World War II. She would come to America and do a lot of speaking and talking to politicians, trying to get America to help China, who was being attacked by Japan as well, right, during the war. And one of the things she said about sowing and reaping, and this is a quote, it says, if the past has taught us anything, it is that every cause brings its effect. Every action has a consequence. We Chinese have a saying, if a man plants melons, he will reap melons. If he sows beans, he will reap beans. And this is true of everyone's life. Good begets good, and evil leads to evil. True enough, the sun shines on the saint and the sinner alike, and too often it seems that the wicked prosper. But we can say with certainty that, with the individual as with the nation, the flourishing of the wicked is an illusion. For unceasingly, life keeps books on us all. In the end, we are all the sum total of our actions. Character cannot be counterfeited nor can it put on and cast off, as if it were a garment to meet the whim of the moment. Like the markings on wood, which are ingrained in the very heart of the tree, character requires time and nurturing for growth and development. Thus also, day by day, we write our own destiny, for inexorably, we become what we do. 
Interesting. Interesting quote. Uh, something that you've probably heard many times, perhaps, from your own parents, right? You know, um, what's the old saying from Forrest Gump? Stupid is as stupid does, right? Remember that phrase that was saying that mama kept telling Forrest all the time? And you kind of got to think about that a little bit. The, well, what she mean by that? I guess it's a character thing, you know, right? Yeah, we kind of are a sum of what we do, right? You've heard the phrase, you are what you eat. And in the same sense, we are what we do. We see our character by what we do. That's shown, right? And so that's kind of what Paul is getting at here. What we are today is what we did yesterday. Our position, our, our, you might say our attitude, our character, all those traits that we have come from what we did yesterday, right? When we were younger, we made decisions, right? You made decisions on what you were going to do with your life, where you were going to go to school, what kind of job you were going to have, right? Whether you were going to go out with your buddies on Friday night and get drunk, made decisions on things like that too, didn't you? Yeah. Who were you going to marry, right? All those things have come together to say who you are today, right? Yeah, all those things that you did back then are part of what you are today. You can't lay blame on things like heredity, right? People do that all the time, right? Well, you know, I'm, I'm from the South, or I'm, I'm a, my, my parents were, uh, were, said what they meant, you know? So I speak my mind, you know, just things like that. All that, you can say you blame things on your parents, but you can't really, because your character is yours, right? It's your responsibility. It's your, uh, it's your character that is shaped by what you do, not your environment, not your parents, not society so much. Yeah, all those things come into play there, but ultimately it's what you decide in your mind, right? It's not about what everybody else is doing, even though we hear that a lot today, don't we? Has, has any politician ever taken responsibility for something he did wrong? I think at one time they may have, but I haven't seen one in recent years, doesn't seem like. It's always somebody else's fault, right? The blame is always on someone else. Turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and let's read something there that Paul said. Chapter 5, and he says, verse 9, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 9. Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. That's a very plain verse, isn't it? It's not about what my mom and dad did. It's not about what my buddies made me do. You know, the devil made me do it. It's about what I did, what I chose what I decided to do. That's what we're going to have to answer for. That's what we're going to have to stand before God and say, I did this and that. It was my decision. We have to accept responsibility for actions because God's going to demand us to account for it one day. When you think about it like that, it kind of puts it in perspective, doesn't it? It really doesn't matter so much what somebody else does. It matters what you did. Remember when you were a kid, 
Mom said, why did you do that? Well, everybody else was doing it. And your mom said, well, if they told you to go jump off a cliff, would you do that? Heard that one many times, right? And that's true. It's not about what everybody else was trying to get you to do. It's what you did instead or what you did with, right? That shaped our character. The things we did then has helped to shape our character based on our decisions and things we did. We are tomorrow what we will do today. We can change. I got news for you. You can change. It might not be very easy, but you can do it, right? There in 2 Corinthians, look at verse 17 there in chapter 5 and see what Paul says there. We're actually, start with verse 16. He says, Therefore, from now on, we, even, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh. Yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. And behold, all things have become new. You see, we can change, especially in Christ Jesus. That's one of the concepts that Paul is trying to get across here. You reap what you sow. Now you have that liberty in Christ. Now you are walking in the Spirit, and you have changed. You should change from what you were doing before when you were walking in the flesh. Interesting concept, right? But change is not something that necessarily happens overnight, right? We become Christians when we put on Christ in baptism, right? We are raised to newness of life, walking in Him. But that, and so our sins are forgiven. We are now a child of God. But that doesn't necessarily change the way we live, right? It takes a little time. There's a growth process that has to be done. Just like when the, plant, when the crops are planted in the field, it takes time for those crops to grow. And that's the same with us, right? Uh, turn over to Romans chapter 12 there. Let's see what Paul has to say there. <clears throat> Verse 1. Romans 12. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable, perfect will of God. Paul's saying, be, have your mind transformed. Be renewed. Start that process. You're now a child of God. You need to start growing in Him. And you'll see a life change. Have you ever known anybody that was a new Christian and you saw how their life was before? And you saw how their life was changed and you could see real change? Have you ever known anybody like that? Maybe you had a child like that that was a bit rebellious at one time, right? Maybe you had a friend that you actually converted. I don't know. I knew a guy at work years ago, and he, he could curse with the best of them, tell the dirty jokes, talk, you know, locker room talk at work. He became a Christian. Not, not, he was, I think he was Baptist. But his life changed. I saw a change in him after that. He didn't curse anymore. He didn't talk about stuff that he shouldn't be talking about. Now, you could say, what you want about our doctrine being a little different probably, but he was changed. The point being, we have a growth process we need to go through. We have to begin sowing today if we want to reap tomorrow. What do I mean by that? Well, you got to get busy. You can't wait for 10 years down the road. 
And some of us don't have 10 years to go, right? So you got to start while young. And of course, a lot of folks in here I know mostly older, right? Older-ish. But you can start right now. If you haven't done that, you can do it now. Nothing's stopping you. But the point he's trying to make here too is you're going to reap what you sow. You need to start sowing now. Not waiting. Not waiting down the road. Not waiting for somebody else to do it for you. You need to do it now. True of everyone, especially for the young, they are making choices that will affect the rest of their lives. I know a lot of you had or have teenagers. I would imagine that you've talked to them about things of the world, right? Don't need to be getting involved in certain things because don't have a good outcome of that. And I know some of you are probably dealing with some children that got into some things they should never have gotten into and had some bad results from it. I know a lot of you had a lot of pain in your lives because of that. And I understand that. But that doesn't mean they're done, right? That doesn't mean they can't change. And especially if they turn themselves over to God, God's going to help them, right? You're going to have that help through the Spirit when you start doing that. <coughs> you can't be, I guess the word is what? Sowing wild oats, right? And reaping the heart. You got to sow good stuff, all right? You got to sow the good seed, the good oats, I guess. What do I mean by that? Well, <clears throat> you can make applications of this principle, right? As we say, we become what we do. We need to consider how this principle was applied by Paul here, okay? How is he, what's he talking about? He's kind of given two options, really, right? Either we sow to the flesh or either we sow to the spirit. Go back to Galatians chapter 6 there and let's read that again. I want to particularly look at um, verse 8. <clears throat> he says, Ephesians, uh, Galatians 6 verse 8, he says, For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. We talked about the works of the flesh a few weeks ago, right? Go back to chapter 5 there, and we can read them again. Verse 19, he says, Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. We had a three-week-long study on what it meant to be participating in the works of the flesh, right? Again, Paul is saying, if you sow to the flesh, you're in danger of not inheriting the kingdom of God. Can't really be any plainer than that, right? Those who sow to the flesh reap corruption, sorrow, disease, damnation. Not good things. And it's not just about not making it to heaven. You're going to suffer things in this life depending on what you sow because you're going to reap what you sow. Interesting concept where he says they will not inherit the kingdom of God. They will instead experience the wrath of God. 
We just read about that judgment day that's coming. You're going to have to answer to him according to what you've done. And you're going to have to say, I didn't sow the good seed. I didn't make plans to do what was right. I just went through life, you know, floating along with the world. Whatever came to me, came to me. I didn't really try to do anything good. And he's going to say, depart from me, right? Not a good thing. One has to sow to the Spirit. Well, what does this mean? Let's go back to chapter 5 there again and read six, verse, start verse 16. He says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Wait a minute, let me read that again. I say, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. So that you do not do the things that you wish, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. You can't do both. You can't live in the world and be of the world and walk in the Spirit. It just can't be done. And I guarantee you, if you continue to sow to the flesh, you won't be walking in the Spirit. You can say, well, I, I could do that too. Nah. The world's going to take control of you. And you're going to reap what you sowed. What else, if you walk in the Spirit, what else does he say about that? He tells walk in the Spirit, those who sow to the Spirit will reap everlasting life. Abundant life. I'm here on earth, everlasting life. Eternity with God. Do you ever really think about that? Is that something you consider daily? Or you just think about it when we read about it? I know, we're pretty busy. Got a lot going on. We get caught up in our own busy lives, right? But this is where we're going to be spending eternity. What you do every day here, unless it's sowing to the good things to God, it doesn't really matter. And it's going to get burnt up. I've talked about this before, but we should be waking up in the morning thinking about that. I'm going to spend eternity with God. What do I need to do today to make sure that I get to spend eternity with God? Get to spend eternity in heaven. I know that's easier said than done. Like I said, we get busy. It's hard to always think on things. But if you're not spending time with God today on a daily basis, maybe that's something you need to start doing. You might need to start sowing some good oats. Have some study time, prayer time. Time off to yourself, perhaps, like Jesus would do. Have you ever studied that? How many times he went off into the wilderness, went out by himself to get away, to talk with God? He would spend a whole night talking with God. You ever done that? There's something to it. Obviously, he understood it. He had to do it. He needed it to keep going. If he needed it, perhaps you do too. But that's what helps you. Perhaps that's what will help you to sow the good seed, right? If you're walking in the Spirit, you're also going to reap the fruit. We just talked about that. Those things that are good. 
Let's go back and read it again, just in case you weren't here. Verse 22 of chapter 5. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. If you're sowing to the Spirit, these are the fruits that you're going to reap. Sounds good, don't it? Sounds a lot better than what you're going to reap if you're sowing to the flesh, right? Interesting last few words he says there, though. What was it he said? Um, Against there is such there is no law. You see, that's what he means by that freedom you have in Christ Jesus. If you're walking in the Spirit, there's no law. The only thing you have is that love for the Father, and you're going to do His will because of that. Sure, we need to have Him set. We need to understand who He is. We understand the truth so we know how to live. But it's not about keeping that law. You're just going to do it. You're going to start with sowing seeds, sowing good seeds. How do we do it? Well, by doing good. He says it there, right there in verse 10. By doing good to all, especially those who are part of the brotherhood. This is the uh, context of Paul's sayings right here. Turn over to 2 Corinthians in chapter 9. Let's read something he says there. Beginning of verse 6, he says, But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace but bound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency to all things, may have an abundance for every good work. That's another concept that he kind of puts out here about sowing and reaping. You're going to reap what you sow. If you don't do much of it, you're not going to get much out of it. If you put a lot into it, you're going to get a lot out of it. Have you ever heard somebody, and maybe you said this, I don't like that preacher. I don't get anything about what he says. Or I don't like to go to that church. I don't... I don't get anything out of that. Ever heard somebody say that? If they read this verse, well, they probably hadn't read that verse. Might convict them a little bit. It's not about what you get out of it, it's what you put into it, right? It's about you sowing seed, being here, being a part of what's going on, serving, loving each other, taking care of each other being ready to make a defense for your faith to those who are outside. All <clears throat> oh, that's a part of it. Paul writes of reaping everlasting life. That's what it's all about. We're sowing to everlasting life. And through that, we're going to reap everlasting life. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Turn over there. I want to read something that he said to Timothy here. 1 Timothy chapter 6. He says in verse 17, Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come, 
that they may lay hold on eternal life. There's that eternal life thing again. What's he saying? Those who are rich, don't trust in your material blessings. You need to use that to do good. Let me ask a question. What makes you happy? Your big Mercedes Benz car? Does that make you happy? Your nice big 10,000 square foot house? I know, I'm, I'm exaggerating a little bit. The pool you got in your backyard, does that make you happy? Your job? Does that make you happy? Your spouse? Does your spouse make you happy? How about your cousins, uncles and aunts, mom and dad, kids? What makes you happy? Studies have shown over and over and over that it's not the things, it's the people. That's what makes us happy, right? I was just reading something the other day about how there was a study done on some folks to say some people are more, I guess you say, extroverted, right? They're more outgoing, right, than others. And so they went to the people who were introverted, I guess, and said, are you happy? Well, yeah, I'm happy. You know, but I'm an introvert. I don't like talking to people. I like just listening to my tunes, you know, or, or I don't know, sitting at home watching TV. I don't like that. And so they made these people go out and forced them to talk to people. Get on a train, a subway, going to work. Made them talk to people. Going to get coffee at Starbucks. They made them talk to the guy making their coffee, right? And after they done, they found out, they said, yeah, I am much happier. I have some memories that I are, am fond of now. It's not about sitting there and watching the TV. It was going out and talking to people. And they took it further to say, what about when you go and do something for someone? Yeah, that increased their happiness 10 times more than that. It's about what we do for others that makes us happy. Isn't that true? When you do for your family, dads, when you go to work in the morning, why are you doing it? I want to be rich. I want to have a big old 10,000 square foot house. That might be some of you, I don't know. But I would hope it's because you want to make your family happy, right? You want to have your kids thrive, be able to learn, have a loving environment place with a shelter, right? They can live a place where they can go to school and learn. And of course you want to make mama happy, right? Because, you know, happy life, happy wife, right? But that's where it comes from, right? It's not about what we have. It's what we're doing with the things that we have. And if you are blessed by God, then he's expecting you to do something with it. Sowing the good things, and reaping the bountiful fruit from that. Jesus makes similar connections to this. Turn over to Luke chapter 6. Let's read what he said about some of this stuff. Luke 6, uh, let's see, 35. This is on the Sermon on the Mount. He says, Beloved your enemies, 
do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the unthankful and evil. He just said, you need to give. You need to lend to folks in need. And don't expect them to give you anything back. See, that's the ultimate sowing to the good. Sowing to the Spirit. So much so that you don't expect anything back, knowing that you have a promise of what? Eternal life. He just said it. Your reward will be great. Interesting concept. We don't think about that enough, do we? Maybe some of us do. Another concept um, that he talked, I want to turn over to Mark and read this. Mark 10 and uh, verse 17. This is the parable of the rich young ruler, and I'm just going to read it. He says, now as he was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? There's the question, right? Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one. That is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. And he answered and said to him, teacher, all these things I've kept from my youth. I notice this verse. Jesus looking at him, loved him. He knew that he had been keeping the commandments. He knew that he wanted to do what was right. He was sowing some good things. One thing you like, though. Go your way, sell whatever you have, and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven, and come take up the cross and follow me. Saddest verse in the Bible, verse 22. He was sad at this word and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. See, even though he had kept the commandments... He had a compassion for God, a willingness to sow. He couldn't give up what he had. He couldn't turn his life over to Christ and give everything to him. He held back. And that was, that's why I call that the saddest person, because he, had, he was right there at the precipice, right? But he couldn't do it. I love the verses, Christ loved him. He still loved him. But he knew what he needed to do, and he couldn't do it. When we use our blessings, our possessions, for the good, we are sowing for the good. And because of that, we're going to reap from the Spirit. We can share in two ways. Obedience to the gospel, of course, and growing. That's Hebrew, you can read Hebrews 5 and 9. 2 Peter 3.18 says, growing in grace and the knowledge of Christ Jesus. Doing so we will one day reap a wonderful harvest if we sow to the Spirit. Lay up those treasures in heaven as we do good to all. Therefore, what do we need to do? Well, we need to today start making sure we're giving ourselves over to Christ Jesus. We need to be in the Word. We need to be in prayer. Right? We need to be helping each other out. There's also a need for patience. Your labor is not going to be in vain. We can read that in 1 Corinthians 15. Reaping will come after we sow. And of course, the Lord is going to come eventually. We have to have patience, like the farmer, right? We've got to let the work continue, the seed grow. 
continuing to do good works, continuing to do good things, sowing to the Spirit to reap eternal life, not sowing to the flesh, which causes to reap corruption. Eternal life awaits us if we're willing to sow the good seed. If you haven't done that today, or been doing it, today is as good as any to start. It's cold and rainy outside, you might as well start in here. And we'll help you do it. I know I'm preaching now, I'll stop. Time is up. Thanks for being here.